0: Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first-class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. From the moment Alexandra Vanhout first told me about her newly launched platform in 2016, describing it as Google for fashion, I knew she was onto something big. Since then Tagwalk, the website she founded and is the CEO of, has grown by leaps and bounds and has become a linchpin platform for anyone working in the fashion industry. It is the first runway image keyword search engine in existence. In a nutshell, the former stylist assistant created a site that, in just a few simple clicks, makes it possible for stylists to whittle down their sartorial selections for fashion shoots or mood boards from the thousands of catwalk images, lookbooks, and street style shots that are taken every season. It is also the perfect tool for fashion journalists and editors who are obliged to cull together images for those never-ending, top-trend texts, as the platform allows users to search for images by keyword, color, season, brand, and more. Tagwalk also offers a variety of features that make it easy to save, share, organize images. In addition to its popularity with fashion professionals, Tagwalk's democratic nature has made it a widespread tool for your average fashionista as it allows visitors to the site the chance to explore the latest trends, discover new designers, and find inspiration for their very own personal style, and create seasonal wish lists of key pieces that they want to invest in. My conversation with Alexandra really gets into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to get a startup off the ground, how to best bring on investors, and what skill sets a successful leader needs. As always, Alexandra is honest and open with her answers not pulling any punches when it comes to the hard questions about revenue streams, scaling her business, and even her hiring practices. I came away from our in-depth chat feeling inspired, energized, and ready to take on the world. Alexandra, so great to see you. I'm so excited to talk to you about TagWalk. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Uh, It's been a long time since we last spoke, so... I know, I think the when we last had a real conversation other than when we were driving from one show to another was about when you were launching Tag Walk. And I, I want to get into that, but I actually want to go all the way back to, to the beginning, to the origin stories of your um, love of fashion and kind of how that love of fashion, you know, sparked the idea of Tag Walk.
1: Yeah, I think fashion was always a way um, for me to, dream a little bit but also the fact it was renewed constantly just made things a bit less boring in everyday life um, and also I just kind of thought that a way of expressing yourself could really be made through fashion so whether um, I don't know you didn't feel confident and the minute you would put a good dress on you would kind of feel good about yourself the minute you try and lose weight you can fit in those fine you know those jeans you always wanted to fit in so there's something there's a relation to fashion which is way more important than what you know, the material side of it. Um, I think it's actually quite deep into a lot of people's brains and, and habits. And I've always really been attracted to fashion since as long as I can remember. Just didn't know it would be this way. But um, yeah, it, it's been, a, you know, forever something I've been really
0: interested about and, and deeply grateful that I can be part of this industry. And, well, and so that's always something that people ask me, like, how did you break into the industry? Because Tag Walk was not your first, uh, you know, foothold or toe into fashion. You, you had a, a bit of a parcours, as they say in French, beforehand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say I interned a lot uh, when I was, when it was kind of legal-ish or kind of illegal-ish. Uh, <laughs> age 15, I, you know, met someone on the Eurostar at the Financial Times um, and interned with them during my kind of winter break. Uh, Then I managed to intern two weeks at L. So suddenly I was getting all these internships really, really, really young and really not through people I knew. It was mostly through people I'd meet really randomly, whether it's on the train, on the beach, uh, in a restaurant and babysitting. And I really think that kind of got me in the industry pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I was then really uh, convinced I wanted to assist as a stylist that was my dream job. I just saw, you know, all these magazines and super glossy magazines and all of these stylists that kind of had that really high life that you kind of really aspire to when you're 15, Karin Rothfeld being a great example. Um, And so I kind of really pushed for that. Um, Yeah. And so I kind of really aspired to be a fashion assistant and work in the magazine and, and pull in the looks and
0: I obviously managed to be a fashion assistant for a pretty long time, um, but You're I was- fashion assistant. I was where did you do that? I mean, again, that's the dream. of So many people, that's the dream of becoming a fashion assistant. How did you finagle that?
1: I think I emailed about 350 different people. I mean, literally 350 different people. Um, I did an internship at Numero, which I think that really helped me to kind of, you know, be- okay with the fact I could, you know, assist anyone, but then I emailed a lot of people and I met, a a lot of them replied to me, it could be Anne-Sophie Thomas who replied to me, um, who's at Marie Claire, and Donna Talamusco who then became the fashion director of Grazia, Patty Wilson, um, thanks to Numero, who then took me on Vogue Italy, so it it was really through kind of I think a lot of guts Mm -hmm. of emailing a lot of different people and being really pushy, but also. I was really convinced that I would manage it and I would—I would, that would be my job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And once I was in that job, I was really deceived um, by, by everything really, by the process of being an assistant. So looking at a lot of looks and and just calling in, calling them in the whole time and just really, I don't know, it's something I think I aspire to way more. And the reality of the industry is that maybe in the year like 90s and early 2000, editors had a really strong position Mm-hmm. but i felt that when i kind of went in it wasn't so much the case you just had to always put the brands that were paying the most advertising forward and you had to fight for a look that you wanted because your magazine was as good as the other one getting wanting the same one so i don't know i just felt a bit contrived in this whole situation and obviously incredibly not well paid <laughs> um which is you know which is a factor because you know i think you're also gratified by the money you get Mm -hmm. at some you know especially when you're an assistant and that really wasn't the case and I speak Chinese fluently so my parents were a bit like wait like you know you're a smart kid like why are you going through a lot of stress for something which isn't really gratifying you also personally um and that was until 2016 15 2015.
0: So I know that because we've spoken before about the the impetus of tag walk, that that time as a stylist was so frustrating, and, and I had the same thing when I was doing like trend wrap ups for um for the for the New York Times and you know the the International Herald Tribune, where you would have to go to all the shows and kind of remember, you know, as you were pulling things, like six months later, what you would need to pull, what were the key looks, and and that was you just had to have that kind of like you know, uh, treasure chest brain that could kind of store all of that information and, it, and to have that was such a, a key you yeah. know, factor. I mean, I think I wasted
1: so much time and I think the, the key word is waste.
0: Mm.
1: I was wasting nights and nights and nights and, and days and weekends of just putting out looks from, um, you know, style.com, what used to be style.com. And I just kind of thought it's so illogical. Like you have so many search engines to simplify your life, but in fashion, nothing exists. Mm -hmm. And if I'm looking for a red dress, I have to go through every single show, bearing in mind at the time, there were maybe 500 shows four times a year with pre-form resort and accessories, et cetera. And it was just so long. And I think being very impatient as I am, and I still really am, it's getting a bit better, but it's not great yet. I really wanted something that could make the process of working easier. So that was just the original idea. I didn't really know how I was going to make money, how it was going to evolve, how, is, how it was actually going to work. But I just knew that for me, I needed something quicker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I got fired age 25 because my boss got fired, you know, like in fashion, there's changes, there's cycles, et cetera. And I was kind of, you know, on my sofa, my parents being like, you have to find a job, you're in 25, you have to find a long-term job, a city, like they say in French. Yeah. And I had this idea and I said, listen, I had this idea. I just kind of want to do it. They're like, well, who is it for? And I was like, well, I think 900 people will use it. They're like, 900 people, Alex, like you're really not going to make much money with mm. 900 people use it. And actually, you know, I think the strength of creating something when you're young is that you're really not scared mm-hmm. uh, because you've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no kids and I still have the no kids, but you know, no, no responsibility, no kids, Uh, you know you start an idea with very little vision so you kind of have the big vision but you don't really know how much money is going to cost you so you kind of start with you know 500 euros here and 300 euros there so everything's very organic Mm -hmm. and I think it's very unscary and you can really do that when you're young because it's I mean unless you're a great entrepreneur and and, you know that's your trait as a person but I just feel that the strength was that I had nothing to lose Mm -hmm. so I kind of just did it. Um, and I put my flat on Airbnb, so it was rented and that was great. And I went to my grandmother's house and, you know, you kind of just, you know, you kind of just make things
0: happen super easily. And it's been such exponential growth in that time in so many different ways in the, in, you know, in the, the reach of the name, the recognition of the name, your staff, I think you have 22 people on your staff now. Yeah. twenty two. Yeah, yeah. And, and also in, in terms of the context of what you have on the platform, it's not just, you know, um, tagging the shows but it's much more than that but maybe for those who aren't familiar with the site can you kind of give give that elevator pitch that maybe you gave back in the day um, of, of what it does oh, and, and or maybe what that evolution has been to today yeah I mean tagwork's super simple it's free um, you go on the website and if you're looking for
1: accessories or clothes or whatever within the fashion industry that have just come out from the designers you just type a keyword so it could be red long red long dress it could be feather, skirt, it could be 1960s, 1990s, and every single look will come up by alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. So brands never pay to be better referenced. Uh, We don't take any advertising, and you don't pay to access the website, you just have to sign up. And it just means that basically what would have taken you maybe a week of research, if you had to do it really thoroughly, will, will probably take you, I don't know, five minutes. So it's really cut your work down by so much. You can actually work so much more, and just think of so many brands you'd never really think of. Mm -hmm. And we take every single brand from the Paris and the Milan Milan Fashion Weeks, every single accessory, we tag every single model, every single creative team, um, every single young designer, every single couture show. So it's basically that's
0: amazing everything in fact that you have the creative team too because yes the other stuff but that you're actually iding all the creatives including the models on down is, is fantastic.
1: Yeah, models is a really big thing on TagWalk actually now. People, I mean, a lot of people search for them, but we have the models that walk the most, the new faces, mm-hmm. the casting directors, the agencies, the, the, I mean, the hair and makeup. We've got literally every single thing on TagWalk. So it's really easy access information.
0: Yeah, and, and the website flows uh, really, really, really easy. I mean, it's very organic. It's very user-friendly, but you did mention it's free. So f- from a business standpoint, for an investor standpoint, how are you paying these 22, you know, people who work for you? Like, where is your revenue stream in relationship to, to the platform? I know that you do, I see that you have like weekly quizzes and I know that you have like, you know, data about the fashion weeks and on your Instagram, you post like this, you know, feathers are up 127% or whatever, you know, in, in the fall, winter season, how, what's your business model, for example? So I mean, we
1: will always probably remain free. It's something which I really thought about uh, from the start because essentially the people who are using it at the start are assistants like I used to be and they're the less well-paid people in the industry. So it was really important for me to have this free information going. It was also really important for me to have no advertising because at the end of the day with advertising, it's always the same people with the same you know, big money that come in and have a lot of priorities on other younger designers and that's something which didn't felt so right. Um, didn't feel so right. And then I really didn't want brands to pay to be better referenced, uh, not only on the homepage but also in terms of searching. Um, so the business models in four really clear different revenues. Uh, they all work within each other, so it flows really well. The one is referencing, so brands that don't have a fashion show can pay to be referenced at the same level as any other brand. Mm. So it's not all the brands. You know, it's going to be brands which are. You know, it could be Roger Vivier, for example. It could be Pierre Hardy, for example. It could be a younger brand like Alighieri and by who really started on Tag Walk um, five years ago, who suddenly, because 95% of the people search by keywords, and suddenly someone's looking for a black boot, instead of going for the black Prada boot, they might be like, oh, I didn't think of that Roger Vivier one. So they click on the image and the PR contact comes next to it. So it's really simple. That's the first revenue stream, which is, the same for everyone, the same price for everyone. There's there's no, you can't pay more or less. It's just the same. I just like things being very equal. So yeah, it's yeah, a very yeah. equal way. The second point is data. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of information about a lot of things within Tagwalks. So it could be, you know, a really big denim brand asking us for data on denim and how it's working in the industry. It could be a really big, big um, really big uh, mass market brand that could ask us, you know, to search certain keywords, it could be tailored jacket, it could be pastels, it could be mini dress, mini skirt, to see how they're performing, see which brands are doing them the best, the least, et cetera. It could be a big luxury brand that's asking for brand equity. Mm-hmm. So we then benchmark uh, different brands with uh, different people and they ask, they, they answer different questions. So we, ha- we do a lot of brand equity. It could be, you know, recently we launched a generic report Mm-hmm. So studies, so they come out once a month. Last month was on models and diversity and how diversity diversity is really treated within the industry. This month is sustainability, secondhand and vintage and how that's working. Uh, I think the month after that is on accessories. So basically these are just really big, amazing studies on generic reports on how things are working within the industry. So that's working really well. So that's the second, second kind of chunk. The third one is... Um, creative strategy uh, digital creative st- strategy so we do it for a lot of brands whether it's um, they're launching a concept on a bag and they need to know know which influencers should have it uh, which art direction it should take uh, how it should be posted what vibe should it be it could be them organizing a weekend abroad and saying okay like for this weekend you know what's our target how should we play it and that goes from really big luxury brands which are confidential but you know really 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 big luxury brands that have their team already but need just a different point of view on something mm-hmm. or it could be a more mass market brands that need to understand how that works really really well um and then the third such third and the fourth one is really tech mm-hmm. so we've developed on the white brand so it's not it's powered by tag walk but it's not tag walk our search engine for people so for brands, so devices is PRM is is Tag Walk, and powered by Tagwalk. So there's a password. You go on their PRM. You put denim jacket. All the denim jackets done come up. You can then request directly the pieces. Um, but then it's also you know for brands that are doing it for their archives internally, they need a search engine for all their archives. So you type you type pink dress, uh, and then every pink they would have done since the 1960s or 50s will come up. So you know that's something which is which is really, really um, powerful nowadays in terms of our business revenue. Wow.
0: Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, I have to circle back around and, and ask you uh, what, as somebody, you know, you, you started out on your grandmother's couch, you know, working from there uh, and to be, to be running, you know, a company with 22 people, so many different, you know, access of, of information and performance and working with brands, et cetera, et cetera. You know it can be one thing to have a great idea and to try and launch it and have it be bespoke and small it's another thing to have what skill set do you need to have as as a as a leader because it's it's different it's different than it's your own baby and you're doing everything yourself and then there's this whole hr running things kind of a thing i mean what kind of personality do you have to have to be able to do all of that i think it starts with a
1: very clear vision of where you want to go mm-hmm. um because if you know that what you're building and creating is something good when people will doubt you and employees will doubt you, you'll always have that stronger mindset. So I think mindset is crucial um, because when you start a company, it's really difficult. And when you employ people, it's difficult. And, and sometimes you, know, you tend to forget why you created it. So I think the mindset is, is crucial. I think um, honesty and transparency is crucial within the company. You know, There's very little my company and employees don't know about where we're going you know, if numbers aren't good, we tell them. If numbers are good, we tell them. If we sign a client, we tell them. So there's something a bit more open-minded, I think, and flowy within the relationships. Um, and also something really important is more the, like the political side of my company, but I really, really wanted to move very far away from a fashion model, which was a bit cranny and sometimes a bit bitchy and, and, you know, very competitive. So everyone has a very specific role and each roles work very well within each other. So there's nothing, there's never time at Tag Walk to kind of bitch or, or, or chit chat or, you know, we don't have that. And I think that's a really, really important factor and matter of my company. And it's something I really insist on. Um, I just, I think things flow quickly and easy because of, you know, because no one's on each other's platforms basically. Mm-hmm. No one's above anyone else You know. Yeah, juniors might be, but there's never people competing for the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think because everyone's competing together towards one same goal, it makes things so much easier to look after.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's, you know, but I think mentality and your strength, mental strength is, uh, and you know, it's, it's hard to get, to get it perfect, but now mine's approximately good but it takes, it takes time. But I think without that, and without that strength, I don't think you could go really anywhere. Yeah. Believing
0: in that your gut and your, that's one of the things that so many designers struggle with is that idea. You get so many different people giving you suggestions and to like stick to your guns and relationship to that. And I think you're, your policy of, you know, transversal, you know, structure is really smart as well, because you're right, it can be quite catty in the fashion industry. I know as you were growing, one of the things that you needed at some point, because you can only do so much, so much with that pocket change and what you, you know, the coins you found in your couch cushions um, that you were looking for an investor. But I, what I love about this story is that you only wanted one investor. You were determined to have one. Yeah. And I and I want to hear this story because I think it's really indicative of who you are and it kind of can give other people who might want to do startups kind of like maybe steps or the drive it takes to kind of follow that vision.
1: Yeah, so I really needed one investor, uh, but I really wanted one in particular and that she's called Carmen Busquets. And Carmen is a phenomenal woman um, who is... Very instinctive, so she really deals with her instincts always. So, I think before she even met me, before she even saw my kind of business plan, which was really not so much of a business plan five years ago, she really meets the people and comments behind that supporter success business the fashion list, uh, far fetch uh, Byron esque I mean, so many different amazing ventures, um, and I really, really wanted Carmen. I just felt that her way of being and approaching people was exactly how I was, because another point I didn't say beforehand is that I think my strongest strength in this company is that I have a really good instinct. Mm. I have a really good gut feeling about a lot of the things. And if I don't have it, I go away alone for 10 days without my phone and I get it back and I centralize. And Carmen is someone, because she's deaf, Um, she really feels emotions and people. She's not someone who will, you know, she's not the typical businesswoman. She's someone who really relies on her instincts and I really wanted Carmen and I kind of, I was put in contact with her by 15, 20 different people uh, and I really, really went for it and I met her and it was really a match. It was a match because I think when your vision is very clear for an investor, if, you, if your attitude is a good one and your vision is a clear one, it makes things very easy for them. And I don't know, I think things were very easy in my head. You know, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I want to do in the end game. And this is how I want to grow it. And this is how much money I've spent. And so Carmen is someone who's really been, you know, within Tag Walk for the last five years, straight from the start. Um, but you have to find your match. You know, Carmen's a match for me because she's always there when we need her. She's someone who's incredibly reliable, but she's not someone who every week's gonna be, you know, harassing me about things. Mm-hmm. And that's our way of ha- finding our really good balance. But she's someone who in the end, if I really need Carmen right now for something, you know, her and her team, Thomas, who, you know, they're very, very close. And Scott, uh, they, they will always be, always be there. So I think um, it's my right shoe, but for anyone else, it might not be Carmen's way of working that could work for them. And I think the mistake, um, with a lot of young people is they see Carmen with everything she's done and they think, okay, I need her, but you need to understand if it's right for you, yeah. you know, because the name won't suffice. It might not be the right way of working for what you want to do. So I think it's always important to kind of, um, I always say that when people say they can't raise money, I, I always strongly believe, and maybe I'm biased that if you have the right idea and the right attitude, the right things will happen. I don't really, I'm not a big believer of, you know, luck not happening and not going your way. If everything's aligned for it to work.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to return to two things you mentioned in your last answer. And one of those was that you take time away, that you go and take 10 days if you need to, to kind of recenter yourself, re, you know, ground yourself. And I think that's an interesting point to make for young entrepreneurs is this idea of work-life balance. I, I think I'm seeing that in I mean, I, I've seen your, your work ethic. So I know maybe the work-life balance is not a hundred percent yet, but that you take that time and I'm seeing that there seems to be in, in Gen Z's and uh, millennials, this idea of really wanting to find that work-life balance. Is that intentional for you? Do you really try and make that, you know, important to you that you have that you step away? Well, it really wasn't like that. When I started Tag Walk, I think it
1: was, I breathe, live, step Tag Walk, and I really became in such a bad place. Um, I put on a lot of weight um a lot of weight but not because it was just unhealthy weight it wasn't because i was enjoying myself and having fun and then i was kind of really self-conscious i was really tired i was really aggravated by everything i was kind of really angry at everything and i kind of kind of i knew that if i didn't change the way i was i think tag walk was going to obviously last as long as i wanted it to last i was employing the wrong people I wasn't explaining things properly and and everything was kind of going wrong and I really took that time to go. I went to India during the summer break for three weeks with no wi-fi, no phone uh, in the middle of nowhere and I think the first 10 days I just slept um, and I couldn't even talk. I was so exhausted. I couldn't even bring myself to do anything or to read and then I suddenly started recessing slowly but surely and then I really took the time to start exercising pretty much every single day. Um, it's not even about physical appearances, it's just that I need that energy to go somewhere, and that bad energy sometimes just go somewhere. Um, and now I really take once or twice a year, I go for 10 days to this clinic, um, you know, which is an expensive clinic, but it's a really good one called Bushinger. And it's somewhere where you do, you don't eat, so you do a real big fasting. But you're, you're surrounded by doctors and by a really good environment and fasting isn't to lose weight because if you eat 800 calories a day you lose as much weight as fasting mm-hmm. it just it really resets your brain um and i think tag walk is way healthier now i'm healthier in a sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think if you're not healthy as an entry as, as a ceo and entrepreneur it's difficult for the team to follow you properly um and my work balance is, is, I mean, I still work incredibly hard, but you know, I work very well in the morning until 5 p.m. After 5 p.m. there is no one, no one. I like, I'm not here, but then I work from 9 p.m.
0: So, you know, it's just, it's Wait, just my get, way of kind of balancing. So, so you said 5 p.m. and then you broke up. So you work until 5 p.m. and then there's no one and then what? I start again at nine until 11. Mm-hmm so that
1: because in my head i like going to sleep knowing that my emails are done you know my work is done and then i wake up in the morning at you know 7 i do my emails from 7:30 to 8:30 quarter to 9 so i walk to the office and my head is clear mm. so my work ethic is pretty strong because i don't i like being on top of things mm-hmm. but you know when i know that at 5 p.m. i'm not good i never take calls at 5
0: p.m. never like it's very rare for me to accept one because so what, I know I'm not going to so what's be good. Happening, so what's happening between five and nine? Is is this? Because this leads to my next question. Because one of the things you mentioned earlier was with Carmen is that you had twenty different people reach out to her on your behalf. And what I've noticed about you is that you're an incredible networker. You remember everyone's name, where they've come, come from, what they're doing. Da, 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 you're, you're keeping tabs on everyone. So is the the five to nine slot the networking time? I mean, tell me a little bit about because that is such a key. Mm-hmm thing within any business is that that ability to network is something that I that I tell anybody who comes up to me asking for advice it's like network 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 but what are your thoughts about that
1: yeah I mean between five and live it's definitely not networking <laughs> at all it's more it's more like you know going home and reading a book and just being a bit alone and having a bit of time off and and you know going on social media and seeing what's going on you know thinking about ideas but it's it's really not a, I, I really don't go out between you know, Mondays and Thursdays and and on Fridays I'm, I go away from Paris so there's only one day to network is on Thursday um, but I think no about networking it is crucial it's really crucial and it's crucial for kids even the younger ones to be really you know we have an intern right now who isn't there today and uh, you know because she thought she could do teletravail
0: mm-hmm. well
1: actually when you're an intern, you know, I don't think it's right, you know, to just think it's okay to be, you know, you should be working five times as harder as anyone else in the company, because yep. that's how you get noticed. And you should be there earlier and leave later and, and really show your commitment. And I think also because, you know, physically, I've always been on the bigger size than the, young, the smaller size. I felt that I had to overdo everything to make sure that I would still be, which is really stupid because I don't think like that nowadays, but mm-hmm. I always thought that that deficit in terms of, you know, physical appearance, which should be fitting fashion, um, I should do 10 times more. So be funnier and kinder and, and louder and and whatever, more cultured and all of it to kind of, you know, to kind of, you know- Counterbalance create, you know, the fact gap. that you look like a fashion person. Yeah, exactly, and I think that really helped me because, for sure, I think it, it means I'm I'm an extrovert. You know, I'm someone who you could put me anywhere, and I'm really happy, and I, I'm really curious, and I speak to loads of people. And you know, whether I'm with you know the cleaner or the CEO of a huge company, I will probably have the same amount of things to say. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you know, Bebe Jean from Numer always told me everyone's very important. Like, no one is more important than someone else, and and respect is really important. And I think. Um, network is crucial you know network is crucial but also you create your own network and and yes
0: you know sometimes you're helped by by people but i think you are helped when you give yourself the means to be helped i agree i agree um, but i am curious you know because of all of the advancements we're seeing and all of the changes and everybody being so much more comfortable with zoom conversations like this one you know you know ar vr uh, you know the metaverse, all of those good things. I'm curious to see, hear your thoughts about it because you're in the thick of it. The pandemic
1: to me was great, I have to say, because I had the best of both worlds. I was at home, Mm
0: -hmm. so I had
1: my downtime and I could really recenter and I used to travel so much and and I used to never be in the office and kind of never be with my team. And and suddenly I had this kind of pause where I could wake up early, I could exercise for an hour, still be on time for my 9 a.m. Zoom. And I could eat really healthily and I could not be tempted by things I didn't want and I could go to bed early and so in that sense I felt really lucky um because what I like the most is quiet time and I just love being alone and suddenly this happens so that was that was really good but also parallelly we parallelly because um Tag Walk's all about digital Mm-hmm. So suddenly, I had this amazing team, and the traffic was really going up, and and the demand for data was going up, and the demand for creative content was going up, and the demand for showrooms was going up, and tag rooms, as we call them. And you know, it's, we all had time to work harder, but also be a bit healthier in our way of being. So, the pandemic, I'm the one of the lucky ones, I really have to say, because a lot of people had a really bad time and it was really difficult and they're not selling any clothes and they have to close their companies and the restaurants are terrible. And, you know, and I know that for 99% of the people, it's been really tough, Um, but for me, it was amazing. And I met my boyfriend during the pandemic. So, you know, suddenly everything kind of fell at the right time. And um, yeah, I've been really grateful in a sense because I think we concentrated on better things for Tag Walk and I think my team, um, My team was really grateful and happy to work for a company that was still working. You know, yeah, they were going to do their jobs, and and you know the the government did help us a lot. I didn't do any chômage partiel, unfortunately, because it was difficult to do. But but you know the the government, you know, you knew you had that option if you had a problem, and I think that kind of really stressed me out a bit less Mm -hmm. uh, than (laughs)
0: they would have otherwise. So so yeah, the pandemic has been good, I think. Are you going to change any kind of habits? Are you going to do more of that from home kind of stuff? I know you mentioned the intern earlier, but I mean, or, or are you gonna, or do you find that to having that community and that that uh, that group think where everybody's in the office together, do you find that that's important? You can't grow a company if you want only travel the whole time. Like, yeah. it makes it
1: impossible. Even if I don't speak to all of them every single day, just knowing they're there just means that if ever you have any kind of question, you can just go to the next room and. I'm really not up at all for that do travail thing. I just, I'm really against it. I'm, I just think it's unpractical. I don't enjoy it. You know, if it has to be once a week, why not? If I have to kind of do that, but you know, it's not going to change our way of working for sure.
0: Um, then looking towards the future, what are your thoughts about, you know, all of this, artificial reality metaverse AI you know you're using your oculus you know masks or or visor or whatever are are you thinking on any of those kind of terms for your company at all
1: no I think human is still very important to interact with humans and have the human eye for fashion Um, I think technology without human beings could never be anything in fashion you really need both Um, you know obviously AI is a really big part of tag walk and it's really important for tag walk but i still feel that clothes are designed by humans and by people that have feelings and that by people that have inspirations and that by people that want to give something you know society in a society kind of wise they want to impact something so i think there's nothing better than being in real life mm-hmm. so i think oculus and vrs and you know that they are cool experiences but not as cool as just going somewhere and and having that first reaction, and, and you know, seeing seeing clothes and touching them and discovering them. So, I think tech is a very big word in fashion, but I believe that human
0: and tech have to find the right balance. I mean, I think that's the epitome of tagwalk because one of the things that I loved from the the beginning when I when we first talked about your your idea, because at that point I think it had just been launched like a week ago before we talked or something. Yeah. yeah the first yeah. time. Um, was that every single tag was seen by, picked by the human eye so that you could get this kind of depth of tagging. You know, it's not just, you know, feather, it's ostrich feather. I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but the, the, that the descriptives, you know, maybe if it was in relationship to an era or something like that, that you could only really do that if you had the human eye going over and doing this, you know, labor intensive tagging. I mean, it's super important because, obviously, AI will tag a
1: color, a style, a material. But to make, you know, for themes, it's complicated and themes are important because themes are what a designer will try and do within his collection. So it could be grunge, romantic, virginal, 1990s, dominatrix, um, you know, whatever whatever it is they're trying to tell the world Mm -hmm. are really important keywords. And those keywords, even if your AI is great, it would be a lie to say that AI can find all the themes on its own because it's not because you put leather, uh, leather pants and a white tank top, it's obviously 1990s,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, it could actually be something really different. So it doesn't really work like that tech wise, but yeah, I think human side is, is vital um, and it will always be, I, I just never would want TagWalk to be
0: a hundred percent automatized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think the results will be as good. You mentioned earlier when you were starting out and you're, you, you know, you're 24-7 tag walk and you were eating it and breathing it and drinking it, et cetera. And at some point you were making some bad choices, maybe some bad hires. I want to ask you, because this is something that I ask a lot of different um, people that interview, talk to me a little bit about maybe a mistake that you made or a misstep that you learned from and how you pivoted or or grew from that as a, as a leader and as a company. And then I'm going to ask you my five generic fashion questions and then we're out.
1: I've made a lot of mistakes so I think one you know one on the side might be complicated but I think um, when you're vulnerable um, you hire the wrong people mm. and basically what what that means is that if you're missing a competence which you know I'm missing lots of competences you know data might be one of them. Um, you kind of feel that the person in front of you is way stronger than you and way smarter than you and therefore, when you're young, 26 at that time, you kind of hire the wrong people because you think, oh, there's so much better than me, I just need to take them, without really thinking what do you want as an entrepreneur and as, as a CEO and founder. And you know, once you have one other apple in the team, it messes up the whole team. I think that pressure you have of wanting the best of the best means that you kind of forget what you actually need within your company. And another t- big mistake I did is that when I launched Tagwalk, I asked so many questions to so many people, everyone's advice because I was kind of scared. And actually the truth is that you get so lost with people telling you what to do that. I think it's you know what to do and you, you always know the answer and that's the truth. Like I never believe that your intuition doesn't know what you should do. I think you always know what you should do. And then I think you should surround yourself by two, three, four key people. And I have my key people and they're always the same people within your company or outside or whatever who always give you advice and then the rest you just do not talk about what you're doing Mm -hmm. like no one knows what we're working on at Tag Walk and I don't want people to know what we're doing you know I want to do it and if it works well everyone will know about it and if it doesn't work well only the four people who knew what I had as an intention will know that I messed up Mm -hmm. but I think that double pressure of like telling everyone and then messing up is so much stronger I think you know keeps your keep your things close to you and just never really you know just do things quietly Mm -hmm. I think you have to do things quietly like entrepreneurs that want press um the whole time for the wrong reasons i it's, i just don't see a good ending happening there you know i just think you, the more discreet you are unless you brag and the less you talk the more you get things done and the more you can prove what you've done but you know don't talk before you do things because either people expect too much and then always be disappointed or you know, you won't end up doing it and then you feel stupid and then you feel bad and uh, it's a recipe for disaster.
0: Okay, those are some very, very good answers. I, I think that that's gonna be really helpful to other entrepreneurs. All right, five generic fashion questions. First one, what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own? I think the dresses I may, oh five like clothing? Yeah. Clo- well, yeah. What is your most cherished, cherished possession? You could be clothing or an accessory. Like what is the thing that you che- Like if you had to run out of a building, what would be that one thing that you would be like, oh, I got to take this with me? Uh, I think a Miss dress I have, which was the first nice dress, dress I bought myself hmm I, I feel you. Buying luxury items, buying designer pieces, it's an investment, it costs a lot of money for most people don't have that kind of money. But if you were to tell the general public, if there was one kind of item of clothing that you should really save up and invest in, what would that be for you? I think it's not one. I think to make a good look, you
1: need a pair of Converse. I think you need a good pair of jeans. It could be Levi's or Gap or whatever. I think you need a really good blazer. Uh, you know you save up and buy yourself a 300 euro blazer you won't regret it I think you'll keep it a long time and I think you need one nice bag and if you have those you can kind of mix and match them and you can put your nice bag with a dress you can put your converse with a dress you can put the blazer with a skirt but I think and a bag I would really go for a classic it depends you know I think the Jackie the Gucci Jackie is a really great one I think the Uh, The Chanel simple one is an expensive one, but, you know, you can find a vintage one and try and save up. I just think if you have one of each of those and you save up for
0: them and you buy good quality, I think you end up keeping them. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you 100% and about the Jackie as well. It's a great classic. Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Yeah, Albert Elbaz, for sure. He dressed women so well.
1: Um, He really dressed women for them to be strong women um, and not for them to be sexy woman for men and my first internship with, with, was with him so i really learned a lot from him and um for Schwell, yeah
0: he was what got me into fashion too so i'm right there with you <sighs> okay what this is a perfect question for you what trend will you never follow what trend will i never follow uh probably the
1: mini trends because my legs are not going for mini right now no I, I think it's you know the mini trend is a great trend but it's a great trend when you're tall and skinny is a trend i will never follow
0: mm-hmm.
1: i love uggs and stocks, so you know
0: <laughs> and me too i'm a big fan of those ugly footwear i'll go all the way uh comfortable ugly footwear uh and then the last question is what do you love most about fashion
1: I think is that if you're good at something, I'm really good, and if you persevere, I think there's an opportunity for everyone regardless of where you come from. So despite it being non-inclusive, I think it's way more inclusive than we think it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Alexandra, you are the best. This has been such a delight. I learned so much. We need to have a real sit down in a cafe and catch up even more because yeah. it's been too long. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seat Belt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.